Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, we're really glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Yes, we finally made it here again. And once again this week, it feels like a significant accomplishment. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim... Let's start with the good martini, as we usually do when we actually have one, and uh, take a look at the narrative the Biden administration's been peddling for the past several days that uh, it's entirely Putin's fault that you're paying record numbers at the gas pump. That is not backed up by the facts, and they are counting on Americans having a very short memory and being willing to pay a lot over an extended period of time, neither of which I would... uh, Uh, say are very good wagers on their part. But Drew Holden, he is a freelance journalist. He's written in the past for National Review, but also the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Fox News, Federalist. Um, And so he's got this long thread on Twitter. It says, President Biden recently said, quote, it's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. So he goes through and looks back at what the Biden administration has actually done while Jen Psaki is making jokes about embroidered invitations for energy companies to drill. Uh, Drew Holden says, just two weeks ago, Biden froze new drilling permits and stopped leases on federal lands because a court ruled that they couldn't use an elevated, quote, social cost of carbon, unquote, to make it more difficult to drill. Instead, they shut the whole process down. This opposition to domestic energy production isn't new. When Biden first took office, he moved to ban new oil and gas leases on federal land, which is a huge slice of U.S. energy, via executive order. The measure was eventually stopped by the courts. Back before gas prices hit record highs, Biden's allies were praising the administration for taking bold steps to limit fossil fuel production. One of their key points? We supposedly already had enough supply to meet domestic needs. Can't imagine who seriously would suggest that. Biden also proposed ending a wide range of tax benefits for drilling and exploration, something supporters said would hopefully, quote, discourage additional oil and gas development, which, of course, makes the process more expensive, particularly when competing with heavily subsidized renewables. And he says, I'm sure that no one has forgotten that Biden shut down the Keystone XL pipeline on his first uh, day in office. And he's got all sorts of other tweets here, including suspending gas and oil leases in Alaska and on and on, and highlighting where the administration and environmental groups were saying, yes, this is the beginning of the end of the era of fossil fuels. So, Jim, uh, he's he's expecting that we have no knowledge of the past, and uh, meaning Biden, and he's wrong. Yeah, uh, Greg, I suspect all of those points will appear in one form or another in attack ads coming this fall. Uh, It is very hard to believe that it will not be, uh, you know, a a lingering issue for much of the year. Um, You know, I I just decided to check over on AAA. Um, The national average is now $4.33. Obviously, that means you're paying well north of $5 and $6 in places like California. For perspective, a week ago, it was $3.83. So we've had a 60 cent increase in gas prices and the average price per gallon in uh, in just like in just seven days. All right. Now, obviously, a year ago, it was 282. But I probably was probably a year ago. I was saying, man, that's pretty pricey. <laughs> kind of a, at that point, we thought that was high. We didn't realize just how high it could get. So I think that this is these positions are going to be untenable. I'd like to see oil companies be a little more forthright and clear about this to say, look, We'd like to drill more here in the United States. We'd like to do so, but we know pretty much since January 20th, 2021, that we had an administration that hated our guts, did not want us to drill more, 
did not want us to produce more, saw us as the enemy and was going to throw just about every regulatory tax and permitting roadblock in our way that they could. And only when it came, gas became really, really expensive, only when it became a political liability, and only when it became clear that OPEC was not going to help did Joe Biden start changing his attitude and start talking about the importance of domestic energy resources. So look, everybody can see what's happening here. I think this is part of a, I would say, oh, this is the most consequential mistake Biden has made in office, Greg, but there's just so much competition for that title. <laughs> yes. The border, Afghanistan, uh, food prices, all kinds of other you know aspects of this. Um, but I think this is one you're gonna see in probably just about every you know House race, every Senate race, um, maybe even in, in gubernatorial races, you know, people are just going to point out, you know, you just can't trust the Democrats. They don't believe in domestic energy production. They hate oil. They hate gas. And as a result, you're paying more at the pump. I, I think that's going to work coast to coast. And if you're a Democrat in anything but the bluest of districts, I think you have to be really worried about this because also this isn't going to be a short term pain. This is going to stretch on for month after month. And we're not even into the heavy driving months of the year. Yeah. And two things Biden has said recently, which really grind my gears, and I'm guessing grind a lot of people's gears. First of all, there was the the shout out when he was uh, outside the other day. Uh, Do you have any plans to help Americans with fuel prices? And he kind of throws up his hands and says, nothing much I can do. Russia's responsible. Well, we know exactly where gas prices were a week ago. Jim just told you where they were. Uh, The Russian situation is certainly adding to the problem, but it's not the only reason for the problem. He also said in his statement uh, when he announced the ban on uh, Russian energy imports, he said, uh, you know, he tried to make the argument like we like we saw at the beginning of the Drew Holden thread there that uh, I don't know why people are talking about uh, how we're not doing enough domestic energy production. And his line was, we produced more domestic energy in my first year than my predecessor did in his first year. Jim, talk about misleading. The reason for that is because the Republicans at the beginning of the Trump administration had to ramp up due to all the restrictions on federal land and elsewhere from the Obama administration. And Biden walked in with things a lot looser, a lot more open, and he's been ratcheting them back down. So I wouldn't be shocked at all uh, if, if that statement were true, but it's not very honest. Greg, we probably should clarify that when you say it grinds your gears, that assumes you can afford the gas to start your car in the first place. <laughs> No, that's exactly right. And this is an issue that gets everybody, because if you are driving, chances are uh, you're probably going to drive past a gas station. It's it's just something that's going to make your blood pressure rise every time. If you drive by the grocery store, you can't see the prices. You drive past the gas station, you can see the prices, and that's just going to make people frustrated. You can't think that people aren't going to see the impact that that is having on their lives. All right, on to a brand new sponsor today on the Three Martini Lunch. Very happy to have them. Outer. Look, 93% of your life is spent indoors. But so many of our favorite moments, of course, are outdoors. The fresh air, the feeling of peace. And since warmer weather is almost here, and, you know, pandemic is easing, let's make the most of it with Outer, the new outdoor furniture company with purposely designed furniture to get you outdoors more. Outer makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture, all from sustainable materials and it is the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort, for less than you'd pay at a big box store for something that won't last. Outer is better in every way because they've spent years perfecting outdoor products. From stunning modular designs to life-proof material, 
They have more than 1,000 neighborhood showrooms across the country, so you can see their products in person. And a patented built-in outer shell cover that will protect your furniture from rain and dew. Outer furniture comes with best-in-class warranties, like 10 years for their chic aluminum line and a two-week trial with free returns. Look, we're excited to have Outer as a new sponsor here on the Three Martini Lunch. Uh, we are also looking forward to getting some of Outer's products. And it's not just the furniture, which is high quality, a lot of different designs that go with whatever your uh, fashion tastes are when it comes to your patio furniture and so forth. But they also have great accessories, like the bug-resistant blanket. I mean, that's a great idea if you're going to spend time out on your deck or patio or wherever uh, outside you want to be uh, comfortable and not annoyed by the critters. So um, see the difference at liveouter.com slash martini. Plus, for a limited time, get $300 off and free shipping. This is Outer's best offer anywhere. Only available to podcast listeners and only for a limited time. Again, get $300 off and free shipping at liveouter.com slash martini. Liveouter.com slash martini. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jim, on to... I guess a second good martini. We really don't have a bad martini today. Uh, Jussie Smollett. He, of course, the purveyor of the uh, fake hate crimes in the frigid nights of the south side of Chicago a couple years back, saying that guys in MAGA hats on the south side of Chicago told him it was Trump country and beat him up because they just happened to know that he was gay and also because he was black. Well, he was convicted in Chicago, mind you, which tells you... <laughs> I mean, there's really no doubt in this situation. And yesterday was sentencing day for Jesse Smollett. He ended up getting 150 days uh, in jail. Uh, but the sentencing hearing went on forever because his attorneys kept coming up with uh, character statements from his family, which you would expect. And then a long list of celebrities from everyone from Jesse Jackson to Alfre Woodard. But Judge James Lynn wasn't hearing it. Uh, he's, he really laid into Smollett as he uh, built up to the official sentence of 150 days. Frankly, I do not believe that you did it for the money. You were making, the evidence showed, close to $2 million a year when this happened. I don't think money motivated you at all. But the only thing I can find is that you really craved the attention and you wanted to get the attention and you were so invested in issues of social justice and you knew that this was a sore spot for everybody in this country, you knew this was a country that was slowly trying to heal uh, past injustices and current injustices and trying to make a better future for each other, and it was a hard road, and you took some scabs off some healing wounds and you ripped them apart for one reason, you wanted to make yourself more famous, and for a while it worked. Everybody was talking about you, the lights were on you, you were actually throwing a national pity party for yourself. And why would you do such a thing? Why would you, I, I understand, you crave the attention so much, but why would you betray something like social justice issues, which you care so much about? And the only thing I can conclude is that, is, and I acknowledge, there are wonderful sides to you. They're, they're very giving and charitable and loving sides to you, but you have another side of you that is profoundly arrogant and self, selfish and narcissistic. That's the only thing that can be concluded. And that bad side of you came out during the course of all these events. Jim, I feel like Judge Lynn almost took away most of our commentary there. He nailed it. Yeah, I was thinking this is probably, hopefully, the last time we talk about Jesse Smollett on this program. I think that it, it, this really has been justice delayed, but thankfully it is not justice denied. I think 150 days in jail is an appropriate one because, I, I, you know, the, the judge articulates it well 
that he kind of put everybody else through this in a very strange way. This isn't as this is worse than you know uh, being a pickpocket or uh, you know sticking a gun in somebody's face and robbing a liquor store. It's like those are all bad crimes. No getting no getting around it. But this was basically an attempt to try to make everyone believe that you know America and in particular Chicago was a worse place than it was. That there were rampaging, maniacal, violent racists who apparently watched the show Empire, which doesn't really make a lot of sense from the very beginning. And then when he got caught and so many people caught, he doubled down on it and he stuck by it. And anybody with, you know, a lick of sense would be like, you know, wait a second. This was the coldest night in, in Chicago in many years. He was out at a, at a subway at 2, wait, what, 2 a.m.? These two guys in MAGA hats and they've got a rope and they they throw bleach. bleach you know, none of this stuff made sense from the beginning. And if, if in a day or two he'd admitted it a hoax, uh, maybe this wouldn't have ended up with 150 days in jail. Maybe people would have said, oh, all right, idiot celebrity does idiot celebrity thing, hit him with a fine. Okay, no problem. But then the other thing is how much the system of Chicago, including the initial prosecutor, went out of their way to not punish him uh, and to not hold him accountable for his actions, which I think was, uh, you talk about tearing off the scab. I think they kind of lived down to every stereotype of Chicago being a deeply corrupt city. Uh, in which certain people are above the law. Thankfully, that occurred. They did not turn out to be the case. They, you know, it took a long time. It took years. But now we can close the book on this, and Jesse Smollett has gotten what he deserved. Well said, Jim. And I certainly echo what you said at the very beginning, and that hopefully this is the last chapter that we'll have to talk about in the Jesse Smollett saga. So, uh, on to the great deals from my pillow. And who doesn't love a great deal? And if you go to mypillow.com/martini. You can access more than 20 phenomenal deals, including my pillows as low as $19.98, my slippers at 50% off, the my pillow towel sets at their lowest price ever, just $39.99, 60% off any Giza Dream Sheets with a price as low as $39.99. You want my slippers. I don't mean the slippers I'm wearing right now, I mean the my pillow brand my slippers. With the exclusive four tier cushioning system, which includes the my pillow patented fill the memory foam, the impact gel, and a sole that can be worn indoors and outdoors. You will find all the great offers and more at MyPillow.com slash martini or when you call 800-874-0104. Right now, every order using the promo code martini will receive Mike Lindell's new book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO for free. MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. Get direct access to all the deals Again, at MyPillow.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to the crazy martini now. And every once in a while, usually when a Republican is president, the esteemed Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists will all gather in their lab coats with a giant clock behind them and move the infamous doomsday clock closer to midnight which means we're on the brink of nuclear annihilation. I think they did that. They inched it a little closer to midnight when George W. Bush pulled out of the ABM treaty. They did it at some point uh, during the Trump administration. They usually tend to be much more concerned about nuclear annihilation when a Republican is president, but apparently not when the Russians are in a hot war and threatening nuclear weapons. Uh, This is from the Free Beacon. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists will not move the time on the doomsday clock closer to midnight, despite a hot war in Europe involving a nuclear power, raising questions about the practices of an institution several legacy media outlets refer to as scientific. When asked by the Free Beacon whether the clock would move forward after citing criteria the organization has used in the past, such as armed conflict involving countries with nuclear weapons, 
A spokesman referred to a March 7th statement from the group saying that time would remain unchanged. Subsequent questions about the organization's methodology have gone unanswered, even though Putin uh, has put the nuclear arsenal on high alert. So, uh, Jim, I don't think most of us on the right have ever paid a lot of attention to this outfit. But uh, whenever you see hypocrisy like this, it certainly makes you do a hard eye roll. Yeah, there, there's there's a couple of points. First, the, the in theory, the organization is fine, right? We, we don't obviously everybody in the whole wide world is opposed to nuclear war, uh, other than maybe a handful of maniacs. And so you'd like to say, okay, you know, how how close are we? How dangerous is the situation? Is this just the usual saber rattling, or is there genuine fear that this could something going on could escalate into nuclear warfare? Now, but since the end of the Cold War, like you should have taken it not just you know further back from midnight. It should have gone. It should have been like you know uh, better than daylight savings time. <laughs> Turn that <laughs> clock back a bunch because uh, the likelihood of a nuclear exchange, not just between the you know U.S. and Russia, um, but you know anybody else, China, you know, you know any other potential nuclear state, was pretty darn low. Um, you know, maybe we worried about India and Pakistan for a while, and, and you know other potential you know nuclear states. But by and large, no, no, we're going to be fine. The problem is not just that they moved it so close to midnight that they have not much more room to go. Right. <laughs> that they basically, I think, all throughout the Trump era, they kept pushing it closer and closer. And yeah, you know, it wasn't good when you know Trump would say Rocket Man, and I'm sure stuff like North Korean missile tests or something that are unnerving. I don't think it necessarily means we're on the verge of all-out nuclear war, but fine if you want to treat that as the false alarm test in uh, in Hawaii a few years back. Okay, that could freak people out. That's you know. But it also was kind of this idea that something that would seem much more tense, i.e. Russian putting Russia putting its nuclear forces on a higher state of alert, did not make it move forward. And so it's kind of this like, wait, you guys seem really eager to push it ahead closer to midnight certain times when it doesn't seem when what happened doesn't seem that dramatic or that much of a of a change. But also when something that happens that does seem, at least to a layman's point of view, oh boy, that, that does sound really scary. That isn't doing it at all. Um, this is you know, only a vaguely related issue, but I noticed, for example, last week the U.S. canceled a test of a uh, one of our ballistic missiles um, because we did not want Russia to. Now, by the way, when we do this, we announce it to the world. We don't want anyone to see a missile going off and say, "Oh my God, it's World War III is starting!" Quick, shoot our missiles in retaliation. Right? There's a story of you know getting a little unnerving in, in the, I believe it was 1983. Um, and the Russians noticed something, which was a typical NATO test, but, uh, you know, they figured it might be the real deal. Um, but in this case, you know, we decided, hey, you know what? We, you know, things are tense enough. We're not going to go ahead with this test. We're going to reschedule it and do it some other time. We just don't want to give the Russians any excuse to misinterpret this as a, you know, attack or something like that. And there are a couple of people, like I think Tom Rogan of the Washington Examiner is like, ah, you know, this is really... You know, Putin's being all out aggressive in every conceivable form, shelling cities, destroying hospitals, all kind of thermobaric weapons, you name it, he's doing it. And we're saying, well, well we're not going to we're not going to go ahead with our previously scheduled, perfectly legal test because we don't want to do anything that'll freak him out. Okay, so we're kind of just you know, it kind of seems like we're kind of backing down in the face. You can agree with Rogan, you could not. I do think it's interesting we chose not to go ahead with that test. But starting next week, we are going ahead with the, a huge annual NATO exercise in Norway. Now, apparently the exercises will be not near the part of Norway that shares a border with Russia, uh, but it's going to be a very big one, like 30,000 troops involved, more than 200 planes, two aircraft carriers, one of ours, one of the British, practicing reinforcing the defenses of Norway. Greg, I ask you, reinforcing the defenses of Norway from whom? <laughs> right. Must be the Swedes. 
I, I was gonna say, you know, it's 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 not like North Korea is gonna go halfway around the world or something. It ain't uh, Angola that's gonna in, <laughs> invade Norway. Clearly, this is all preparing for a Russian invasion of of Europe. And so, I don't think you know there's any particular reason to think that these uh, long planned exercises that they've notified Russia about back in January. Uh, the Norwegians have emphasized they've taken all kinds of steps to make sure that Russia knows what's going on. Russia was invited to be an observer. They declined the invitation. There's no reason to think that this particular you know, training exercise is going to freak out Russia and cause World War III. But I do think it's kind of interesting that you know, 30,000 troops running around the Norwegian coast, <laughs> running exercises, taking off stuff, landing troops, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff's going to go on. We're not worried about that freaking out the Russians. But our ballistic missile test, we did. I, it just seems a little unusual to me. Again, the sense of what is provocative and we shouldn't do because of what, you know, the, the tantrum that Russia is having. Very fuzzy line these days, Greg. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love the point you made about how they got no more room, really, uh, to push closer to me. And I think they're at 1159 and, and a number of seconds at this point. So, you know, when you try to score some points politically, you know, by saying, oh, whatever Trump did or whatever Bush did or whatever Reagan did that moved us a little bit closer to midnight, that'll get us some headlines. And now you're at 1159 and however many seconds. And well, I guess we're there or we're not. It's no biggie. It's fine. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend from the bullshit of atomic scientists. We're at 1159 and 23.2 seconds now. Yeah. Do, bullet do atomic scientists like hang glide on the weekend or something? <laughs> I mean, clearly they're more, they're not as risk averse as, say, virologists, who, as we all know, don't want to come anywhere near you, shake your hand or take your mask off. They want to have three masks on before they have you over for a barbecue. And at that point, they'll cook, the, they'll, 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 obviously, they will cook until it's black because they don't want you to get salmonella or anything. <laughs> oh, Jim, I think it's time for the weekend. Have a great one, and I will see you on Monday. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Please tell your friends about us as well. Uh, we are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Uh, we also invite you to find us on your home devices. Just say, play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend. And please join us again on Monday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.